Now, you said this was the first animal we saw when we got into the park. And I have a confession. When we were driving um, to the park through the highway, um, we saw um, a statue of a bison up on a hill before you got to the turnoff. Do you remember that? Yep. And it was, and you said, look at that bison. And I said, that's a statue. It was perfect. You know, it was just sitting perfectly still. It was perfect. But um, we did make a second stop at Teddy Roosevelt National Park on our way home from Montana. Someone stole the statue. The statue was gone. It, Turns out it was a bison it, it for had real. walked away. <laughs> Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 23, and we're calling this one the All-American Road Trip, part one. So part one is going to be all about Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Um, we recently went on a road trip, and we're going to tell you all about it. But first, uh, let's thank Anchor Podcasting Platform. It's a free podcast platform available to anybody. You can find it on the web or an app on your smartphone. Thank you, Anchor. Thanks, Anchor. The way we like to do our podcast is we will post nine photos to our Instagram account, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And then we will go through those nine photos, Bill and I, and talk about um, the story behind the picture, what led up to it, uh, what was happening, whatever insights we might have. So you can follow along or you can check our photos out later. So um, here we go. Today, we're going to start to tell you about our very long road trip across the country from Michigan to Montana. Do you want me to start or would you like to tell the story leading in? Well, maybe you can tell why we were going to Montana. Well, our daughter, Lauren, lives in Big Sky, Montana. And uh, as everyone probably well knows, the COVID situation in this country makes people a little leery about flying all that much. So Winnie and I decided to do a road trip. So we left one day when I got out of work and we took... Uh, kind of took our time going out to Montana. It's about a 25-hour drive if you do it straight. And, and we have done that before. We, we have done that. but And um, driving 25 hours straight is no fun. No. You know, maybe you can do it if you're 20 years old and you got a car full of 20-year-olds and you're all um, anxious to get where you're going, like going to Florida for spring break. But um, we're not 20 anymore. And so we decided if we were going to drive to Montana, that we would try and make the drive part of the vacation. So we tried to make some strategic stops along the way that would keep the trip interesting and keep us awake and excited. So like Bill said, we started, I think it was Tuesday on a Tuesday after Bill got home from working the bakery. So a very early shift. So he'd already been up since three in the morning. Yep. And uh, we got in the car and we drove. First, we stopped in um, Ironwood, Michigan. Yes. I, is that correct? Ironwood. Yep. Um, because we, I wanted to go to the Stormy Cromer um, hat factory. Of course, they make more than just hats now. But if you are unfamiliar with uh, Stormy Cromer hat, 
Um, this I'm not going to tell you the whole history of the Stormy Cromer hat, but it is pretty interesting. It's made in Michigan. Um, that's worth looking up if you're interested. Uh, made in Michigan product that we're pretty proud of. Uh, but our first big stop on the way to Montana was to check out Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Yeah, we had driven by it a couple of times, actually, and, and noticed on the map that, oh, there's Teddy Roosevelt National Park. And but, from the highway, it doesn't look like much. No, no. It's the very north end of the what's considered Badlands. And it does look like Badlands, doesn't it, Bill? Yeah, it just doesn't look like anything that's very eye-appealing and kind of there's a little tiny bit of uh, rolling hills and stuff in there, but um, just some nothing that you'd really want to hang out in for any length of time, you wouldn't think. And when you drive from Michigan to Montana, you drive through Michigan, which is beautiful, but we're very familiar with it. Northern Wisconsin, which is a little bit like Michigan, northern Minnesota also. And then it kind of turns into farmlands and um, the Dakotas are prairie, correct? Right. Yeah, almost all um, wheat and corn and soybean fields and very flat. And the road is pretty straight and it can get kind of boring. But when you get to the very west side of North Dakota, the the topography does change a little bit. And in Teddy Roosevelt National Park, you start to see like caverns and caverns. That's not the right word. Canyons. Canyons and... Yeah, a little, you know, there's some rock structure there, but not very much. It kind of looks like glacial activity and volcanic activity. And right. that's exactly what it is. That's what it is. And if you look at it a little bit, you can tell that it definitely was cut out by glaciers. And, and it does look almost like volcanic, that things kind of ran and were, yes. were liquidy at one time and yeah. sat up. So they got these like pooling uh, bumps at the bottom of a mountain. And-, and, you know, actually you're saying all the correct things because when I did a little research after the fact, it says that, you know, thousands of years ago, um, North Dakota was probably swampy. And as a matter of fact, they have found fossils there of alligator type creatures and turtles and that kind of thing, proving that it was probably more, um, more swampy and they compare it to modern day Florida. It it seems so hard to believe, right? It does. Because now it seems very desert ish. It doesn't look like Florida at all. It's not lush. There's not tons of greenery and, um, (laughs) it's Florida all dried up. That's Florida dried up. But when you're driving through, that's exactly like what Bill was saying. Some of it looks glacial. Some of it looks volcanic. And they said that there were volcanoes. So, it is. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, would you call it beautiful, Bill? Mm, not really. Although I do like sagebrush. It's, I seem to get excited when I see sagebrush that I know that I'm out west somewhere. Yeah. There, so there is sagebrush. You start to see that when you get to that truth. part. And sagebrush is sort of an indication we're finally starting to get somewhere. Right. Right. Only 19 hours into it. We're getting somewhere. So we have passed by Theodore Roosevelt National Park a couple of times and um, never really thought anything about stopping. Um, But this trip, we did a little bit of planning ahead of time and I checked out, you know, what 
what is there to see? Is it worth going into? And it turns out there's a lot to see and it really is uh, worth going in. And we didn't explore the whole park by we any only means. We saw the smaller half. It's split into two units, a north unit and a south unit. And we actually only explored the smaller south unit. But it's also, according to a reading, is where most of the animals and stuff are. Right. Um, the There's... Um, Two main areas where people can explore and you can drive through or take hikes or whatnot. And let, that's what Bill's referring to, the south unit and the north unit. Um, when you go into the beginning of the park, the visitor center is right at the entrance of the park. And uh, the one ranger said to us that um, Teddy Roosevelt's cabin was right next to the visitor center. I got to tell you about that cabin. I've done a little reading since we were there. And um, yeah, the cabin had been moved and is now right behind the visitor center at the park. And um, I believe it was called the Maltese cabin. Yes. Maltese cabin cross Maltese cross cabin. And um Teddy Roosevelt had that built for him. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt first went to the Dakotas, oh my gosh, in the 18, around 1883. He invested in a cattle ranch and later started his own cattle ranch. Um, he had, um, had them built him a cabin while he was gone so that when he would come out to the Dakotas, he had a place to stay. So years later, after he'd been president and whatnot, the cabin had been moved um, to St. Louis for the World's Fair as a display. That's weird. I know, but it gets weirder. Um, then it was later moved and put on display in Missouri. After that, Portland, Oregon. After that, Fargo. After that, Bismarck. Before it ended up in the National Park where it lives today. So that little cabin has been everywhere. They must have put it on a train and hauled it around. I, it, uh, yeah, probably in the beginning. It's, um, we didn't even really, I mean, I saw it from the outside, but we didn't pay a lot of attention to it because it is COVID times. And I figured probably everybody goes into that little cabin to have a look around and we just kind of avoided it. We went, no, we'll move on. Yeah, we'll stay in our own space. And, um, but that cabin's pretty famous. Yeah. Um, so, Teddy Roosevelt, I have discovered, is a very interesting person, a very interesting president. And after visiting the park and learning just a little bit about Teddy Roosevelt, I think I'd like to maybe read a biography or or he wrote many books himself, but he was a very interesting character. So the Teddy Roosevelt or Theodore Roosevelt National Park um, is very specifically created to keep um Teddy Roosevelt's uh, memory alive. It's the park is all designed to sort of pay tribute to the man, which I don't think there's any other national park that's set up that way. So um, that's very interesting. And the more you read about Teddy Roosevelt, the more you understand that he was a very important con conservationist and that a lot of our national forests and our national parks can be attributed to work that he did to make sure that they were set aside and kept natural. I bet you didn't know all that, did you, Bill? 
Um, not all of it, no. <laughs> so let's go to our first picture before we just do too much talking. <laughs> all right. So describe our first picture, Bill. So the picture, first picture we're looking at is the picture of a groundhog. No, it's not. <laughs> it is a prairie dog. And prairie dogs are, um, I would say they're probably about the size of a rabbit. Um, they are in the rodent family. Um, this picture is a prairie dog sitting on his butt with his arms up in the air, which when you come across a... Um, an area where there are prairie dogs. And they call it a town. A town, it's, which is a series of holes and hills all over that they've dug up. And they live underground primarily, but you see them up. Um, and this guy was sitting on his butt and um, just looks like he's looking around to see who's coming and who's going. And um, So these prairie dogs are a specific type of prairie dog. They're called a black tailed prairie dog they are not dogs at all of course they are in the rodent family more specifically in the squirrel family they have and you can see when you get a chance to see our pictures that they have are light brown unless and do you remember bill as we were driving through that we saw a few prairie dogs that looked darker brown and we were wondering if those were younger ones or older ones yeah, or male were versus few, females there or were, there were there was a few that were different color, but most of them were the same color. So I found out why some of them are um, dark brown. Meat and eaters. It no, must be meat eaters. No, it's because those ones have been burrowing in the coal seams that uh, run through okay. the park. There are There's a bands of coal that go through all of those um, rock structures through there. Yeah. So some of those prairie dogs live, yeah, live in burrows that, that, cross over or go adjacent to the coal seams and they look darker, hmm. which I found fascinating. They, um, they live in family or community units and there's going to be, you know, some specific prairie dogs that are the ones who, who are uh, watching and alerting for danger. And they make all kinds of barks and squeaks and, You'll see sometimes they'll make a sound and they'll all run off into their into their holes. And then um, one will peek back out and give the all clear sound and they come back out. There's a real social order, I guess, to prairie dog towns. There's, you know, the ones that are the lookout people and there are the family units and there are what, you know, I don't know what all. But it's it's quite elaborate, I guess. And oh, my gosh. Aren't they fun to watch? I could have sat there for hours watching these prairie dogs. Yeah, they are. They are fun to watch. Um, but you can tell, like we are saying, the structure that's there. If you sit back and watch their town for any length of time, you definitely see um, that there are specific animals doing specific things. That's uh, pretty interesting. That This um, first picture of the prairie dog, this guy looks like he might be a lookout. Yeah. He's got a very concerned look on his face and he's sitting on his on his butt and he's looking around and he's got to look like hmm human. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a human. There um this time of year we went we took our road trip in September and uh the all the animals really but the prairie dogs were preparing for winter so they're really fat. They have really fat bottoms right now and uh 
look very healthy, nice, heavy coat of fur. And yeah, they look to be in really good shape. Let's um, quick go to the next picture because it's another picture of a prairie dog. Okay. And do you want to describe nope. this one? No, this one is, uh, um, as Winnie said, they're gathering stuff. And this picture is um, a prairie dog with his mouth or her mouth chucked full of, uh, looks like sage grass that she's gathering up. Um, we saw a few of them doing this where they were, they would just bite off little tiny pieces and stack them up and stack them up and get a big mouthful. And then they would dis disappear down to their burrow and then maybe they'd be back out. So they must be setting up their winter stash. So this poor prairie dog, his job is gatherer, I guess. <laughs> He's he's not one of the alarm ones. He's he's the worker. I'm hoping that they switch off once in a while. I don't think so. But um, what did you say when you were looking at this? What you said he was going to go down into his home and stock up a stash. No, you said he was going to sage it. Sage it. You right. know, like people do where they burn get the sage. Spirits yes. out of your. He was going to sage their burrows. Got to get them <laughs> set up for the winter. So um, surprisingly, the black-tailed prairie dogs in Teddy Roosevelt National Park do not hibernate in the winter completely. Hmm. They, you know, obviously spend more time down in their burrows. And when the weather is particularly harsh, they stay in their burrows and don't come out. But they are still active throughout the winter. That's that, interesting. Yeah, that surprised me. Um, they have predators in the park, of course. Um, badgers, um, fox, uh, what other animals, Bill? Coyotes. Coyotes, yes. Um, occasionally they have cougars. They, they aren't very forthright about how many cougars come through the park or live in the park or, but, Cause, um, cause they don't know. Probably. But they, they do have predators. Um, however, they were prolific, weren't they? There oh, was acres. Yeah, there was, yeah. And there was two or three different places that had prairie dog towns. We saw at least three different prairie dog towns in a, probably a three-mile stretch of the road. Yeah. And we did see at least one on private property outside the next day after we'd been there. Right. That we this thought was cute while we were in the park, but it, and it was your own property, you would think, ugh. I was going to say, if prairie dogs came in and decided to move into your property is probably not something you'd be happy about. No. Because they they seem very prolific and they're just dig the place up. Well, that's the thing is they, they're tunnels. You, you couldn't do anything with the land because they would just be totally tunneled everywhere. You know, prairie dogs were on the brink, really, of extinction um, because of the, for that reason, um, ranchers and farmers you know, they're just a nuisance to people who are trying to ranch or farm. And so they um, tried to eliminate prairie dogs by poisoning them. Yeah. And um, so they they pretty much, uh, like in Texas especially, they were really almost eradicated. And so were um, something I did not know that is native and wild in the United States is ferrets. The nope, black tail that. ferret is actually um, a predator to the prairie dogs. That would make sense. And they also, you know, fight for territory. And um, according to what I read, they have actually introduced black tail ferrets into um, 
some parks in South Dakota. Okay. Because they have an even worse problem with them down there. Well, I think just to keep the balance, you know, just like when they reintroduced wolves into Yellowstone. Right. In order, I think if these prairie dogs were kept unchecked, they would just take over. They would take over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the ferrets are from the weasel family. Yeah. Um, So I don't think I'd be so excited about seeing a ferret. No. But the prairie dogs are so cute. Yeah. And if you go to the next picture, this one shows one of the reasons why they're so darn cute. (laughs) Prairie dogs, whenever they cross paths with another prairie dog, will um, either sniff each other's mouth or or sort of nudge each other and it looks like they're kissing so whenever a prairie dog you know gets close to another one they have a little quick kiss and then they move on or they hang out but um so in this picture you can see two prairie dogs and one has his head bent sideways and he's given his given his friend a kiss letting him know who's it who just showed up at the house yeah this one also gives a nice look at why they're called blacktail prairie dogs because their black their tails are black tipped. Yep. Guess I never noticed that when yep. we were taking pictures of them. What what do you what stands out to you about when we were taking pictures? It was a the weather was beautiful. Yeah. For one thing, we got right out of the car and sat down on the ground and just they were hung very out for close to the road too. They were they were literally just on the sides of the road in a couple of spots. Yeah. They're probably the first animals that we actually spotted probably a mile into the park. And there's a big viewing area there that has an actual pull off. And a, and a, you can see a lot of them on both sides of the road. And it was just, it was fun to uh, see them interacting with each other yeah. as a community. They really were uh, talking to each other as they worked. A lot of sound. Yeah. A lot of sound. And, and they were, uh, Quite often, they would make this barking noise that, um, well, I thought it was like an alarm. Then they would, I would kept waiting for them, somebody to, to do their big yip and have them all just scatter into their holes. But they really didn't. I think they were just talking. I think they're pretty used to people. Yeah. There was kind of a lot of barks when we first got out of the car. But once we sat down and just were still for a while, there was less of that. Yeah, they seemed to not. They, they were well aware that we were there. Yeah. But they just, like you say, they probably were really used to people. So they just went about their business. But it's funny when they bark because they're sitting up on their butts. And then when they bark, they lift their head and point their nose way in the air and they make the bark. And, and it almost looks like they're going to fall over backwards. Yeah, I was waiting for them to topple over. Because <laughs> they, they do. It's like a, a full on body thrust. They throw their head back and straight up and give this big bark and. Yeah, right from the chest. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes the, the others will whip their head around and look, and other times they don't pay any attention to it. Right, right. It's like kids are just yelling again. I wish they'd stop <laughs> doing that. I really love the prairie dogs. That was so fun. much fun. And we're just showing you three pictures uh, today. We might show you more down the road, but we took hundreds. Yeah, they're, they were uh, very photogenic. They were photogenic. They were fun. Now, you said this was the first animal we saw when we got into the park. And I have a confession. When we were driving um, to the park through the highway, um, we saw um, a statue of a bison up on a hill before you got to the turnoff. Do you remember that? Yep. 
and it was, and you said, look at that bison. I said, that's a statue. It was perfect. You know, it was just sitting perfectly still. It was perfect. But um, we did make a second stop at Teddy Roosevelt National Park on our way home from Montana. Someone stole the statue. The statue was gone. It, Turns out it was a bison it, it for had real. walked away. <laughs> it was, you were right. It was a real bison, but it, it was, was so perfect. It was a big one. It yeah. was huge. And it's this time of year, of course, they've got their, they've just gotten over the rutting season bison have, and they're in their prime. Their, their fur is, is silky and shiny and they're just look beautiful. Yeah. And I could have swore that was a statue of a bison up on that hill. Yeah. Cause usually if this is the first time I think we've seen bison that didn't have like little tufts of hair hanging off of them and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. They weren't really shedding. They'd already shed. They yeah. were. Yeah. They looked, I mean, bison, I wouldn't say are pretty animals, but they are majestic. Yes, they are. Yeah. And actually switch to the next picture, Bill. And it's a picture of this is not the the absolute beauty that we saw that we thought was a statue. But this was a bison we saw when we were driving along the road in the park. And he was just kind of sleeping behind a clump of sagebrush. Yeah. You folks that have seen. Uh, these bison in different national parks um you'll see particularly um older males that will just go off by themselves just they're pretty um solitary solitary yeah. most of the time and this i'm assuming was one of those big guys that was just relaxing and yeah not not letting anything bother august is a hot month for them because it's yeah. rut season and they expend a lot of energy so i think in september they're wore out yep and he was just sleeping we actually he was right along the side of the road and we pulled up and stopped and i pointed the camera out the window and i think he may have opened his eye for a second but he did not care that we were there and he was not moving no he was settled in for the evening he was settled in um I think if you haven't seen bison, you know, wandering wild or freely in any of our national parks or out west, you get pretty excited about seeing bison. We see a lot of bison in Yellowstone, and I don't want to say we're jaded about them. We still love bison. We still stop and take their pictures. But, um, oh, gosh, where were we? I guess we stopped to see something else, and a lady on the side of the road said, oh, my goodness, did you see that bison down the road? She was just so thrilled she was thrilled and it was the first bison she'd seen i'm pretty sure because she was thought it was and it was i mean it was a cool bison but like you say we we've seen enough of them we we're kind of looking for something else i guess yeah. is the biggest but thing. they are big they animals. are really big they animals. are very big animals and they are very dangerous and i can remember i remember that particular lady saying that to us and i was thinking in my head that's not a big one. <laughs> but there were some really big ones in, oh, yeah. in Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. There was some really big bison. Yeah. So, and again, another one of those animals that was hunted to the point of almost extinction. And if it weren't for individuals like Teddy Roosevelt, we may not have bison to even look at. No, they'd today. be gone. Unless somebody snatched them up and put them in a ranch or something, they, they would be gone because they were, they were, um, even though they're a big animal and they look like they're a little slow and and uh, lethargic, they can really move when they want to, but they're a big enough target that they're pretty easy to hunt too. Right. 
So while we're being grateful for Teddy Roosevelt being a conservationist and being responsible for some of our national parks, I'm going to give you a few more tips or facts rather about um, Teddy Roosevelt. He was our 26th president of the United States, and he was uh, 42 years old when he became president, which is still the youngest of any president we've ever had. Um, while he was president, he kept a myriad of animals at the White House, including snakes and um, oh, just all kinds of wild animals and horses. Of course, he loved horses. And he was um, known for going uh, skinny dipping in the Potomac River. Yikes. Yeah, he was not one to be confined to the White House or to any building. He really, um, what did you tell me the other day when I asked you, what do you know about Teddy Roosevelt? He's a bit of a loose cannon. And you said he wanted to be uh, a cowboy. Right. And that's the truth. First he, and foremost, he wanted to be a cowboy. Yeah, he was really, he was from the East. But he really fell in love with the West and he really wanted to be a cowboy. And I think I would have to say he really, I would say he was an authentic cowboy. Yeah. And I can see having been out West, I can see how people get hooked on it. That's for sure. Right. He was also, he, when he was a child, he was somewhat sickly and he overcame that in his life and became kind of um, known as um, a rough and tumble kind of a guy. He liked to box. And even when he was president, he would hold have boxing matches in the White House. And in one of those matches, somebody punched him in the eye and he ended up with a detached retina. Whoops. And I mean, nowadays, I think they could fix that. But he spent the rest of his life blind in one eye. He said he quit boxing after that and um, switched to jujitsu. OK. Which is I kind of find that hard to picture. Right. <laughs> But he loved um, he loved the Dakotas. And even before he was president is when he fell in love with the Dakotas. Um, his first wife, the love of his life, died three days after childbirth due to uh, complications of kidney failure. And on that very same day, his mother died of typhoid. Ugh. So he had some tragedy. And then that summer after that, he went back out to the Dakotas where he... Um, where he felt really happy and comfortable and it helped him heal. And uh, he just never for forgot about the West. That was part of who he was and why, you know, after reading these things about him, why he's maybe my new favorite president. So um, another animal that's native to North Dakota and that we saw in the park. And if you go our to our next, next picture, picture, Bill is a pronghorn antelope. I love seeing pronghorn. We saw a lot of pronghorn out west this time. I think they're sort of, I, you know, I don't know that they don't always travel in a herd, but we saw some herds and I think they migrate a little bit. They migrate. They do. I think they do kind of stand, stay in some bigger family units too, because you will see uh, singles here and there, but a lot of times you see at least a half a dozen at a time together. But this particular day we saw a loner. And this guy, if you get a chance to see the picture, he's up on the ridge of one of those weirdly formed little, which I don't know, you can't call it a mountain, you can't call it a hill. It was taller than that. Yeah, it, it probably rose up I don't know, probably 40, 50 feet, something like that. More of a big mound. 
you can see in the picture that uh, the rock out there was primarily like shale layered um, soapstone and uh, limestone. Um, it's not in this picture, but there. I don't know if there's any of our pictures today or not, but some of the sections of the park would have like red rock that you would see out in Arizona area for the first 10 feet or so on one of these mounds. And then it would turn it into this grayish brown limestone again. So the, the, yeah, the ground is really weird out there. They, in my research, um, it said that the Badlands were an area for Native Americans to pilgrimage to for vision quests or for hunting. They, there's not really good evidence that anybody actually lived in the Badlands. But one of the things they would travel to the Badlands for is to collect clay to use as paint for their war paint, for painting their own faces and painting up their horses. Okay. So the, the red clay and there was some green, you know, looking clay areas. Yep. So this was their source for, for clay, um, for paint, but also for making, you know, pottery and that kind of thing. I was going to say, things. did they make pottery out of it too? Cause yeah. that would make sense. Yes. So in this picture, there's this, big male pronghorn walking along the ridge with the blue sky behind him. And there's something about the sky out West that the skies are deeper, richer, bluer than they are here. Yeah. You know, this, this particular picture was on our way out there. And now that I'm looking at this picture, it has a little bit of a grayish haze in the air. There was a lot of smoke That's in the, the air. smoke from the California fires. Right. Because when we came back, the blue skies were just brilliant, brilliant blue that you, I just, I'm always amazed at the color of the skies out West. And I don't know if it's just because there's less humidity. So there's less moisture in the I air. I think all that's the time. exactly what it is. But Higher it's elevation, it's drier. Extremely brilliant blue. And you can see for 20 miles, at least, you know, sometimes further than that. Um, so Pronghorn are not necessarily huge bodied animals. They're small. They're like under, a typical deer in Michigan weighs probably around 140 to 160 pounds. And these probably never weigh more than 100 pounds. This guy looks pretty big, though. He's got a big set, a big head on him. Uh, yeah, he's he is pretty muscular in comparison to others that I've seen. I, you know, this guy probably was the size of a good white tailed deer. He was an unusually big one. Yeah. And his horns were really big. Yeah. I would not want to get in a fight with those horns. No. And these animals are extremely fast, too. They, they're they one of the fastest land animals around. And I love to see them. I mean, they run fast, but also they... They, they bounce. They bounce. Boink. <laughs> they like kinda... they, when, they, they're, when they're just trotting like a horse would trot, when the, the antelope trot, they bounce all four feet. Feet come off the ground. And you can't help but say boink, 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 yep. boink, boink, boink. <laughs> when yep, you see they're kind them. of funny to watch. Yeah, this guy was all alone though. We didn't see any other pronghorn within the park the day that we were that first that day, day that we yeah. were there. And right. Um, but he he looks serious. Yep. He's a good looking animal. Yep. So this next picture. So the next that? picture is the PS de resistance, I think. And one of the reasons that we really wanted to stop in Teddy Roosevelt National Park was that we discovered in reading ahead of time that there are wild horses in the park. Yeah, and they were, we uh, we came upon 
two or three different groups of them, but this particular group, um, this is only part of the group that we actually saw at that time. Um, we were actually able to get quite close to them, but uh, they had a couple of colts with them. Um, and some of the horses looked really healthy and beautiful, and some of them were pretty gnarly, and you could see their ribs, and they yeah. looked like fighters. Right. Oh, you could tell they, they've been scrapping with each other, that's for sure. But I thought for the time of year and everything, they looked to be in pretty pretty healthy shape now. Who knows what they look like by spring, because I don't think they feed them or anything. In the I park. don't they're think just they feed them. Yeah, I think they're just wild. I, they've, they're, from what I understand, they were originally from a domestic herd that they just let go wild. So I did point. a little digging last night to, to make sure I had my facts straight. And uh, what I found is that in the 1800s, in 1800, ranchers of, uh, would let their horses free range the way that they let cattle free range now. Okay. And um, they would let them, you know, live out, um, you know, free ranging and also um, breed that way. And then um, maybe a couple times a year, ranchers would go out and have a roundup. And then, you know, you would get your horses and you knew they were yours because they were branded. And then I don't know how they would sort out who got the new, you know, the foals. Yeah. But that's how they did it. And so when the park was formed, um, they had a roundup and they tried to sort out the horses that were branded and get them. And this was in like 1950s. Um, they would um, try to get the horses that belonged to certain ranches back to where they belonged. But there was a number of horses that were either unbranded or um, uncatchable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I imagine there was some that you just know never would have catch, yeah. catch up with. And so perhaps the unbranded ones were some that were born in the wild and just had eluded every roundup. Right. And uh, so those horses um, stayed in the park. And uh, for many years... They tried to continue to do roundups and auction off the horses, or they tried to eliminate them anyways, until they finally decided that um, not only was it a losing endeavor, but that if they really wanted the, the park to be a living memorial to Teddy Roosevelt, that horses were such a part of his ranching days and his love for animals that it really made sense to keep a wild herd within the park. So the um, Teddy Roosevelt National Park is fenced, which is unusual for a national park. And I'm unclear if it's just around the the like north and south unit. I think that's how they've got them separated. And because, like you were saying earlier, there's so much free range cattle. Yeah. That they didn't want those cattle in the park. Exactly. And they also don't want these horses to leave the park. Right. You know, because I think ranchers and uh, farmers feel like wild horses are a nuisance. Right. And so in the interest of the horses and in fairness to the people who have properties around the park, that this is the best way to, to keep it. So, um, so these horses are um, evidently in um, national forest service areas or uh, Bureau of land management areas. Wild horses are protected. But the horses in Teddy Roosevelt National Park do not fall under that wild, free-roaming Horses and Burrows Act. Hmm. So they're considered a viewing, um, a viewing herd. 
somehow versus um and hence the fencing and and they protect them that way yeah so these horses do go back um probably a hundred years or better um but they they are kept safe i guess you would say yeah they do manage the herd by they do still kind of do a roundup per se just to um check on the health of them and whatnot and they do auction off a certain amount of them. You know, if they were just left to live and to breed and to continue to expand that they would outgrow the, the viability of the park. So they do, I don't know if it's once a year, once every four years or how long it is, but they do auction off some of the horses. Right. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt park is not a big park in comparison to like say Yellowstone or something. Uh, it's, it's relatively a small parcel of land so i could see how it, they could get they could take over an area pretty quickly right and i mean between the bison and the and the horses there's an awful lot, of, a lot poop. of grazing there's a lot of poop around that's yeah. what i was gonna say <laughs> a lot of fertilization yeah actually on the on the on the teddy roosevelt national park website they say when you're trying to find the wild horses to watch for fresh poop <laughs> on the road or on the, on the trails. There's a steaming sign ahead. <laughs> so, and we kind of did that. Like we were seeing piles on the side of the road and I said, I don't think that's bison. That looks more like horse. Yeah. And then sure enough, we spotted them. Yep. Um, another thing it says on the website is that sometimes you, uh, the horses can be seen from highway I-94. Which we did, in hindsight, didn't know that they were wild horses when we yeah, saw them. We but. were driving toward the, the park looking for the, the sign that said where to turn off to go to the park. And um, there was a sign along the highway that said something to the effect of, you know, it was the border of, of Teddy Roosevelt National Park. And then a little ways further down the highway, we saw horses that were up on a bluff overlooking, you know, staring at the highway. And it looked like a, um, oh, there was maybe a dozen, Bill. Yeah. It looked like big male horses. Yeah. Just staring at the highway, kind of regal. They did look a little messy. Right. But, you know, when you're going 80 miles an hour, it's like, oh, there goes some horses. Right. And also there was that, there was a fence, you know, there's a right. fence between that and right. the highway. And so we, you know, just like the bison statue. <laughs> <laughs> We thought, oh, no, that, that must be somebody's horses. We kind of joked, oh, there's the wild horses. Well, it turns out there was the wild horses. Yep, sure enough, that's what they were. I don't know had <clears> we <throat> realized that that's what they were, if we would have tried to pull over off of the interstate. We would have turned around and went back and got in trouble, probably. Yeah, that's the kind of people we are. Yeah. It would have been an awesome picture because they looked so stately up on the bluff looking over the right. looking over the highway. But we did find them in the park. And this, I think, was one of our first views of that little herd that was not really even very far off the road. We had, we saw three or four of them way up on the hills before we got to this group. Right. Uh, but then we kind of went around a, a kind of a blind corner. And sure enough, here was probably seven or eight of them that were, you know, 20 yards off the road and just grazing. And um, yeah not really paying attention to and it looked like and, it was you know males and females and there was two foals is, is foal the right word bill colts colts yeah. um yeah they were probably born in the spring eh yeah 
this year's Colts. And they were still nursing. Yep. They, they were, were trying to anyways. So if we go to the next picture, we have an example of that. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, Bill, explain this picture. I love this picture. This this is a picture of a a a um mayor? A mayor, okay. an, an adult mayor. Um they're her What do you call a female horse when it's Do they fix female horses or only male oh, horses? Yeah. Is there a different name for them if they've been fixed? Um yes, but I don't know what it is. Okay. Um mares are a horse that has had a baby. Okay. Um, and it's, it's escapes me the term for a horse that has not had a baby. Um, okay. And yeah. So, anyways, this mare was uh, was uh, just grazing, and her colt was trying to nurse. Anyways, um, but you can see this picture. Um, she is staring straight. She's staring at right us. at us, and the wind was blowing in her face. You could see the wind was strong enough that her. Her whiskers on her nose were sticking straight out. And they, I read that they rely on their sense of smell a lot. And you can tell in this picture, her nose is wrinkled up and her nostrils are flared. And so she's trying to figure us out. Yeah. yeah and her we, eyes are bulging. They are. <laughs> but you can also tell, you know, in this picture that you, she's a, I mean, she's a big horse, but um, her ribs are showing. And it looks like she's gotten pretty bit up by by bugs. The she got some big welts from bug fly bites on her. Yeah, sure. you know we're all used to seeing horses that are people's personal pets that are well groomed. Yeah, groomed you know, every day yep. and and fed and 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 exercised and taken care of and and their manes are braided and yeah. trimmed and. These this, definitely have a wild look about she them. She had a flowing mane, mind she, you. But she's it was, fair faucet. Yes. She's the fair faucet of wild horses. She's got the look of, <laughs> what do you think of me now? One ear up. They, because they're wild, it, it, in, you know, in the park literature, it says to be very, you know, uh, careful of them and to give them space and respect. You know, I think because people are used to domesticated horses, there might be a temptation to want to get close to them yeah, and touch them, on. scratch their nose. And uh, they are not, they are not friendly to humans. They find them, um, you know, you are Threaten. a threat to them. Yep. Yep. And they will defend, especially with little ones. Yeah. One thing you can do in, in a Teddy Roosevelt national park, and I don't know whether they provide domestic horses that you can take trips through the park on horseback or whether there's outside, um, businesses that do that where they take people on horseback through the park um and it's pretty common i guess but they said the wild horses are particularly defensive of a human riding a horse oh that's interesting so yeah they want you to be careful if you yeah see there was a few horse trailers that were um i did notice a couple of them when we passed that had like business logos on them, like riding stables. So sure. They, I'm I, sure that I wonder, they do that. I wonder if they let you bring your own horse in to ride through. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. No reason to I'll get never a horse do that. to find out. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Right. But, oh, she was, this, she was a fun horse, this one. And she didn't want us to get too close, nope, of she course. she didn't want us to get close. But, and her, her baby was pretty cute too. Yeah. And like Bill said, the baby was trying to nurse, which maybe she was irritated by that, that as well. That could have been because the baby was old enough to not be nursing. That's for sure. But, right. Um, yeah. If we go to the next picture, you'll see this baby and another one that were 
in that particular group. Yeah, I love this picture. This We waited for this to happen, too. There was two um, Colts. And, uh, of course, we have no idea. Their mothers were sisters or... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, no idea. But uh, these two Colts were staying kind of away from each other. But at one point, they started to sort of walk toward each other. And they would stop and graze and then get a little closer. And so Bill and I both, probably with both our cameras, waited. You could anticipate that they were going to greet. And they did. They got together and they kind of rubbed snouts together a little bit for a few minutes. And thought they were prairie dogs for a moment there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're adorable. Yeah. Yeah, a little half-grown horse wild horses so the wild horses were a big treat and a big reason why i'm so glad we got to see them um part of the drive through the south unit this summer was closed because of erosion i think yeah they had some erosion problems and part of the road was missing in a few places they um the because the terrain is so weird um and some of it is very rocky but some of it is dried, hard mud. And uh, so if they get a lot of rain or if they have a wet season, they will get mudslides that, you know, and if it's along the side of the road, it could sort of overtake a road and take a while to clean up. And um, I didn't see a lot of um, any kind of erosion control, like mesh over mountains or anything. I think they... No, they weren't trying to do any of that in that park that I saw anyways. Yeah, so... There were some signs in a few places where it says, um, beware of falling rock. And I think, like you say, if they got some like flash flooding or whatever, it would wipe out some areas pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, wild horses were a treat. And there was also other, you know, Teddy Roosevelt National Park was not overcrowded with people or tourists. No, not at all. I mean, I mean yes. there were people there. Yeah. But it wasn't overwhelming by like um, the uh, the bigger parks that uh, are typically well attended were just insanely overrun this summer. So um, I know when we were watching the horses, there was maybe three or four other cars that were stopped and, and were right. taking pictures and watching the horses. Right. Um, when you're in Yellowstone national park, when you see almost any kind of an animal, there's, you know, a jam, a traffic jam of people that will stop in the middle of the road and half off the road and yeah, creating it all kinds of havoc in those bigger parks too, where all of a sudden there's a hundred vehicles that are, trying to run over each other practically it seems like yeah so uh, we enjoyed teddy roosevelt it was uh it was it was lovely it was really lovely so um after we got to the end of of the road the amount of road that we were able to drive on we turned around and came back and we saw if you go to the next picture um and this is a mule deer yes and there was, there was, hmm, this was getting sort of into the evening, right? Sun was starting to Yeah, this to set. was pretty close to sunset. Um, uh, yeah, there was probably seven or eight deer in a little group. Um, and this little buck was probably a, a yearling buck. Um, I, that's a good set of horns. Yeah, but he wasn't a big deer at all. Um, definitely. We saw some ones that was made this guy look really tiny after a while, but yeah, he was pretty impressive for for the size animal. And he do was, you think that mule deer grow bigger horns than white tail deer? 
Much bigger. Okay. And their ears. They're bigger animals, too. Their ears are huge. Their ears are absolutely huge, yeah. And in this picture, it's just sort of a portrait of this mule deer. Yeah. It's um, his neck and head and his antlers. And uh, he's got these ears are so big and pink inside. And he was just staring at us. The animals in the park seemed very quite used to traffic and people. Yeah. They weren't, didn't seem easily spooked. No, but like their ears are, they're twice the size of a, a whitetail that we have around here. Um, their ears are just huge. And so their, their horns, their antlers may get bigger than whitetail deer, but their body is smaller, correct? No. No? Oh, okay. Well, I guess it depends on where they're at because some of them are the same size as whitetails. Okay. But some of them are bigger too. Right. See, I know nothing about deer, really. But uh, I'm zooming in. Can you zoom, zoom in where you're looking, Bill, at the picture? Yeah. You can even see the little uh, the little whiskers growing out of his nose. Oh, yeah. They're, he's a hairy little guy. He's got dirty <laughs> ears, too. So you should a- wash your ears, boy. <laughs> it was a, that was a good, uh, that was a nice little mule deer encounter. It yeah. was very... Uh, Problem is... When it gets right at dark, right, the mule deer encounters are fast and furious, and you don't see them. They're right on top of you. That right. one, one thing we did notice with uh, that particular park is, like the the pronghorn and the mule deer and the bison. None of them, like when you see deer here in Michigan, you see their eyes will light up. You can see them at in the dark. None of the animals we saw in that park do that at all so you can drive up on a thousand pound bison in the middle of the road and you don't even see them till yeah. you're right on you top have to be careful and you can't be in a hurry no you cannot be in a hurry There's definitely you'll you'll see if you ever go out west there are daytime speed limits and nighttime speed limits and you definitely want to abide by those absolutely because there's a big reason why they right. exist I even think they ought to be slower than that at night, quite honestly. Yep. So also the mule deer, I noticed, they're little, um, they're little boingers too, eh? They bounce just like the antelope do. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're bouncy, 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 bouncy. Yeah, bouncy, yeah bouncy, they're bouncy. fun to watch. You got the tigger bounce in them. Yeah, so that's our last picture in our series about Teddy Roosevelt National Park. So we like to end our podcast with, the picture we missed or the picture we got away or the picture we didn't include today. Um, any thoughts, Bill, on a picture that got away from us in Teddy Roosevelt National Park? Mm-hmm. Well, we did see um, a jackrabbit in this park. We did get a picture of the jackrabbit, too. Yeah, but I don't think it's a good picture. Right. And uh, it was just, I was, I've been waiting for years to see a really big-aired, big-legged, jackrabbit and we finally saw one but we it was there and then it was gone yeah they they can move pretty fast too yeah yeah i think that might be the picture that got away from us um they're pretty funny looking yeah it was like oh that's a jackrabbit another thing that got away from us that we thought we might see was big horned steer is it how am i saying that right big horn sheep no, no, the domestic, the cattle. Oh, the ste- the Texas Longhorns. Texas Longhorn. 
So yeah. they keep, just like with the wild horses, they keep uh, a small herd of Texas longhorn in the park. Also, this is part of, of keeping Teddy Roosevelt's memory alive. And like that was horns? so much of, of what he was interested in and a part of. But in um, doing my um, little bit of reading last night, I discovered why we didn't see them. They had them put away. They're in the North Unit. Ah, well, there we go. So when we go back out west sometime by car. We oh, got to go see the bighorns. I almost, it's too soon to even think about getting back in a car and driving. Yeah, I'm not car. anxious to get back in a car. <laughs> but if we do, I think we should check out the North Unit. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a good plan. So, so this is the end of part one. Yeah. Lots more to come. I, I, I'm just going to say one thing that um, driving across country, although it takes such a long time and it's a lot of driving, a lot of being folded up in the car. And um, it reminds you of why the United States is unique and beautiful and why we love America. You know, and you can get away from all of the news and politics and crap that you see on TV 24 hours a day and just drive and look at the landscape and appreciate the wildlife and kind of gives you a, a renewed love for the country. Am yeah. I being sappy? No, I I kind of feel the same way. You know, this this particular trip is the first time that um, in our lifetime that we've been able to actually take more than a week off we actually were on vacation for 14 days and uh it just was an opportunity to be able to like you say take in the landscape as we were traveling and actually understand a little bit about where people are coming from when it comes to um different parts of the country you know have one more quick story to tell you about Teddy Roosevelt. So you know how teddy bears got their name from, you know, because they're named after Teddy Roosevelt? Do you want to hear the story behind that? Yes, I do. Well, it's a funny one, I think. Teddy Roosevelt was in a southern state. I don't remember what state. And um, he was being taken on a, um, on a hunting expedition and the people had pre-arranged to have a bear tied to a tree for Teddy Roosevelt to shoot. Nice. Right. Sportsmanlike and all. Well, he would not shoot it because he said it was not sportsmanlike. Good for him. So he made somebody else shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess the newspapers and whatnot had a field day with it. And, and spurred from that, somebody decided to make stuffed bears and sell them. And 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 uh, that's cute, how that started. The cute and cuddly bear. <laughs> right. Anyways, please join us next week when we continue to talk about our great American road trip. Yes, thanks for checking in. I hope you have a great day. See you next week. <laughs>